Announcement. The revolution will not be televised. I repeat, the hemp revolution will not be televised. Welcome to the Hemp Revolution Podcast, the global hotspot for the buzz and the cannabis. Hear the secrets of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules, innovating business, and changing history forever. Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game. Now here's your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Miss Sonia Gomez, and I am so excited to be here with you guys on this fine, almost winter's day. As you know, it is our mission to empower you with the truth about cannabis and hemp so that you can make educated decisions about how you want to care for yourself, the people that you love, and the conditions you may be suffering from, but also understanding that just like you, there are unique and diverse opportunities for you to join the mission and the movement to help create opportunities for folks just like yourself to get safe and legal access to the highest quality transformational products that are available on the marketplace. If you are one of those people looking for products and brands that you can trust to deliver the results you're looking for, check us out on medicalsecrets.com for our favorite list of products that we recommend and trust. Uh, if you are a existing business or a budding entrepreneur in this industry, check us out at the emeraldcircle.com for some resources, relationships, tips, tip, tricks, or perhaps just some direction on how you can join the movement and the mission to see this legalized, made accessible, and also be a part of the fastest growing cash-rich industry in the world right now. Now, it's not always glamorous. It's not always pretty, but every transformation that you are able to facilitate is worth every moment. In today's episode, we are going to be telling another incredible story, a husband and wife team, Erica and Brian Freeman, who are the co-owners and co-founders of Choice Organics, a medical and recreational cannabis dispensary out of Fort Collins, Colorado. They have been active in the cannabis community since 2010 when they started Choice Organics and have sat on the board of MIG or Marijuana Industry Group since 2011. And if you don't know what those groups or communities are, or the heat wave that they came into in 2010 was right around the same time that I entered into the industry. And the marijuana industry group was founded by industry professionals to support the progress um, and mitigate the risks associated with being involved with this incredible yet very tumultuous and challenging industry here to share their story and how they've been able to create transformation in their community mm -hmm. and in the state for the, on behalf of the industry Miss Erica and Mr. Brian Freeman. Hey guys, how's it going? It's great. It's going Have great, Sonia. Thank you for having us on. I'm so excited. First of all, this is not the first, but probably one of the top three most exciting interviews for me because I started this whole like craziness back in 2009, end of nine, um, beginning of 10. Um, in the cannabis space, working with the Department of Revenue, coming over from California. So my heart to yours. Thank you for all of the extremely hard work that I know you've put into this um, progress and incredible company that you're running up there. And I'm so excited to tell your guys' story. So why don't you just take a minute, introduce your guys' selves and uh, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, what you're up to, and how you ended up in this crazy cyclone in the first place. Um, thanks. We really appreciate being here. This is this is also a very exciting interview for us. Um, I know that it has been a lot of hard work. I know you've been a big part of that as well. So thank you also. Um, it's been quite the road that we've been on. Um, like you, we started in 2009, established our business in 2010, and began open our doors in 2011. Um, we got working with MIG or the Marijuana Industry Group early on in that game, um, working very, very closely with 
the state and trying to implement rules and working, you know, through the regulation um, period and making sure that everything was logistically feasible and was going to work and that the state could actually implement something that they really wanted to. We're still working on that one. <laughs> yeah, we're still working on that one. It's an ongoing process. Thankfully for us, though, that they're they're pretty um, amenable and they like to work with the industry. That's yeah, our experience all along. So that's a very very helpful thing for our industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but we started. We, we my, my husband and I were in the construction industry in 2008 and nine when we, um, we had the recession hit and the housing bubble burst. Um, and at that point, we decided that we were going to try to jump into the cannabis industry, something that we um, had been thinking about. It was a, a bit daunting and didn't know if it was going to be something that we could actually do, but we decided to, to go for it. Um, at the time, I also, um, well, not at the time, for my entire life, I've suffered from psoriasis, which is an autoimmune disorder, and discovered um, around about that time that cannabis oil, actually the um, hemp oil, could help and was helping my psoriasis. So that was one of the other reasons that we wanted to get into it, um, not just so that we could open a new business. We've always been entrepreneurs, especially my husband has been an entrepreneur since his parents became entrepreneurs. So that's always been kind of in his blood. But um, those are the two big reasons why we decided to jump in to, to cannabis, was to help spread the word and to be you know, at the forefront of, of, of this budding industry. You you have to be, have a certain chemical makeup to be a pioneer. They say that the pioneers are the ones with the most arrows in their back. Um, I know in my case, I'm still trying to reach a couple to get them. <laughs> it is <laughs> it has not been an easy road. And at the same time, every single day, there's something that, you know, there there's a couple of things that wake me up and get me out of bed on behalf of this industry. Um, one is I'm just certifiably fucking crazy. I mean, at the at one, you gotta have a certain edge of crazy, a high risk tolerance, and you know, really the capability of recognizing the reward that comes with high risk industries. Um, I, I certainly have, I'm cut from that cloth for sure. Um, I love the fact that you guys have personal experience that drew you into the industry, but that you also had, you know, the foresight to recognize a pretty massive opportunity. I think as a whole, and I, and I want to talk about your guys' business here in just a minute and you know, what, what sort of sets you guys apart. Um, but as a whole, I think there's a really common misconception that even though we're a cash rich industry, they think every industry every business owner in the cannabis space is just rolling in the dough. And what I keep trying to explain is that although we're a cash rich industry, there's a lot of cash poor business owners in this space who are waiting for the payoff, you know, and slowly building themselves up to be a brand, but mainly are working on behalf of this industry for you. Would you guys agree or do you have an opposing opinion of, that landscape right now and, and what the truth is behind the industry versus our reputation. I, I, I believe I, that's definitely reputation that exists. Um, when we go places and, and tell people what, what industry we're in, we definitely get that reaction right off the bat. Oh, well, that must be hugely lucrative. It must be you know, fabulous and wonderful. But, um, and it might be for some people, but I do know that in general, most of the, the, the entrepreneurs that we know in this industry, um, it, it, it's a very heavily taxed industry, Yeah, which um, in one sense is, is, is good because we want to be able to um, be able to build up the resources that this industry is going to need um, in terms of education and in terms of programs and in terms of getting the word out there that this is an okay industry to be in and also to help with law enforcement, figure out ways to deal with, you know, um, um, driving while under the influence and those types of things. Tests that are actually good tests that actually give them the information that they need, not to say that this person smoked, you know, two or three days ago. That's not really the good information. Yeah. So for those purposes, I like the taxes and we agree. I mean, that that's part of what we want to do is, is build up, you know, this to make it exactly what it is, which is a legitimate business, legitimate in often most cases, a, a legitimate medical resource for many, many people. So the other thing that I think is difficult too is and the cost of different things that are all involved around that is 
our regulations have been changing so much, especially for edible companies and things to that nature. When they get a big productive line and spent hundreds of someplace, you know, twenty thousand, thirty thousand, hundred thousand dollars on equipment, yeah, and to find out six months later that October first. Now your sticker machines and now the conveyor belts and stuff aren't going to work properly because now they've changed the packaging or changed the labeling. And now you got to go buy a whole other machine to do that specific stuff. And there's a lot of cost involved in that. So just when after, you know, most business, everyone knows you don't make money in the first few years unless there's something really crazy going on. And you get really so the time you start to make some, some money approximately two or three years into your business, they start changing the regulations and rules. And so the little bit of profits you might see, all of a sudden now you have to buy new equipment and everything because the regulations change, not just because you want to buy new equipment. So there's things in that, in it being pioneers that are good or bad in, in, those, in those instances where you, there's no stability yet for long-term things to that nature because the rules are changing, regulations are changing. And then it also, in Colorado, the way they've done it to where each municipality can even tack on more taxes or tack on more regulation than what the state has done, which in some cases that's happened in certain places and some haven't done anymore. That doesn't help either across the board. So there's there's other things that people don't think about on everyday life and as a business owner in, the, in a brand new industry, whether it's this or something else, when all these types of things are happening too. So it's very challenging <coughs> in those respects because we can't set a budget real easy for what's going to happen on a two-year plan, really, and things. Yeah. starting to get a little easier because things are starting to get a little more situated, especially five, six, seven years ago when all these regulations were coming out, like, like you know, every six months, every few months. And we were down with BPD talking to legislators, trying to get them to slow down and not change things so much. Let's see if we have it working or not. Oh, no, we're, we're going to change it. We all have our agenda, so we got to get it passed and through. So that's where we're kind of at today, too which I think we're finally starting to see it mellow out a little bit, but it's still hard to deal with and hard to know what's coming a year out or six months out regulation-wise because come this next term session, we know there's going to be a bunch of new rules that drop for July 1st, October 1st, and January, and we don't know what they're going to be yet. So that's not easy to deal with. I like the scare tactics that the industry uses where they're like, something's coming, but we ain't telling you what it is yet. I feel like that cat that's frozen in time. It's like, like this, with the hair all standing up on the right. bag. It's like the quintessential view of like um, a Halloween black cat, right? They're all like, um, it's scared of what's coming. Like that's how I felt every single day when I was working active in the industry, but never failed on the days that were the hardest. I would have some little old lady or some like desperate doctor who was like, nothing's working. We need to help this person, you know, sneaking in the back door, trying not to be seen by the public, you know, somebody's lawyer who was just like, can't handle this guy anymore. You know, just like all, all different walks of life walking through the door. But the ones that would really get me were, you know, the parents coming in, holding each other, you know, talking about their epileptic child or, you know, um, leukemia, battling leukemia at Children's Hospital and just wanting to find anything that would bring that sense of euphoria and relief. Um, the, the, you know, I had one of the probably my most memorable moments was this veteran who was an amputee came into my dispensary. And at the time, we were the only ones in the state to have the strain Harlequin, Harlequin. Um, which is really, for those of you guys who are listening and don't know what it is, it's a really high CBD strain and and low levels of um, THC. And we were smoking it because we always, you know, get high on our old supply trying to test it all out. But um, when we smoked it, we were like, man, this is some bullshit. It doesn't work. We're not stoned. Like we don't, we don't like it. We're going to kill this plant tomorrow. And then we get, we, we had a bunch of pounds of it. Right. So we're like selling it through the store and it was the one that was on special. And this, this guy comes in and he had lost, he had lost a, a hand and, you know, a, a leg due to diabetes and all sorts of complications with the VA. And he just looked at me with such excitement which i had never seen in his face before and he was like 
you got any more of this Harlequin stuff? And I was like, yeah, we got some more. How, well, how much of it can I get? And I was like, well, you know, current regulation, blah, blah, blah. He was like, uh, can I come back and buy that much every day? And I'm like, why this stuff works for you? Like it does. I mean, I don't get high at all from it. Are you a new user? And he's like, no, but this is the first and only strain I've ever used that I don't experience phantom pains. And it was that moment that I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. As a, as a business owner, I didn't know what I didn't know. And that story continuously gets me out of bed in the morning, even though when I first started in the CBD conversation, I thought it was diet weed. I was like, Oh, this diet. Weed. <laughs> I didn't really even like, I'm like, you guys kidding me with this CBD nonsense. We need weed up in here, but yeah. they, they didn't, you know, but that's, that's really what kicked off the conversation. And every day I'm amazed to see what science is discovering about this incredible plant. And it's even so more amazed to see it work. It is, you know, it's tremendous when you actually see it work and you see it work yeah. on someone that never expected it to work and it actually works for them and, and gives them relief to obviously there's different levels of what that relief does for each individual, but yeah. gives them relief in some similar fashion and to see the smiles on their face. Same thing. Like you said, we had people coming in when it was first me and Erica, we were the only one working down in our medical site back nine years ago. And we had no employees then and right. <laughs> Things are a little different today, but we knew the patients then and our people, you know, like their family, when we first started and well, to see some of them develop and to see them finally smile and to see them come in without that wheelchair that they've been coming in for the six months and then now they're on a walker and they're instead of 12 pills a day they're down to four or five i mean didn't happen overnight but to see this happen over the course of six months eight months or a year with certain people and to see them smile it's pretty amazing like you're saying mm-hmm. uh, and, yeah, and, it's, yeah. and it's what's worth it when you're first starting out and there's no money there. There's nothing there. You got two kids that you're trying to run around, and it's just you and your wife. You know your your wife or your spouse trying to make this with nothing else. So it, it, it's been a pretty amazing run for us. Well, let's talk about the husband and wife team here for a second, because I work in the husband and wife team. It's not there's, that easy. <laughs> there's several graves dug in the back. <laughs> That's <laughs> not people don't think about it. A lot of people think, oh, well, that's neat. You get to be with your spouse. Well, yeah, but uh, let's let's be honest here. Sometimes an eight-hour break, three days a week from your spouse, is not the worst thing in the world. If you if you don't know what I mean, try hanging out with them twenty-four-seven. <laughs> so for nine years, basically <laughs> ten years. I mean, we go to we only live five minutes from the shop, so we're not even in the car very long these days. Yeah. <laughs> oh man it's so true it's so true my uh my mom and my grandmother joke now they're on their second marriages and so they're like you know there's this whole theory of married with separate houses and I was like ah come on what's the point now I'm like um my husband's like honey what are you doing I was like nothing just checking on uh you know Craigslist for an extra rental like I need a she shed. I'm like, so <laughs> someplace I can put the do not disturb sign on. And I don't want to see nobody's children. I don't want to see nobody's husband. I don't, don't call me for dinner. I ain't hungry. Like, <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> it's so true. It's real struggle. How do you guys, how do you guys juggle it all? Um, it, it has been difficult, especially early on in the game when we didn't have any employees and we did have two young children. Our, our kids, we've got a 17 and a 14 year old now. So when we first started, they were little three, three. Yeah. I mean, four and eight, I guess nine. So we would have to juggle it. I mean, one of us would be at the shop because we were open seven days a week. So one of us was at the shop. The other one was at home with the kids or shuffling them around and doing whatever needed to happen. And where it was a constant flip-flop. Um, since then, it's gotten easier with, with the addition of employees. It's become a little bit easier. But we we, we, we work well together. We, we really do. We, we balance it out very well between the two of us. Um, one of us, me, is probably a little bit more detail-oriented. And he's definitely the bigger picture guy. So when you put that together, it, it, it works out pretty well. And we find the balance. 
we, we've been able to find the balance. And these days we have fabulous employees that really help. A big part of it is, is just buffer things for us too. And what we learned early on and what I've learned because my dad owned restaurants when I was growing up. So I worked under my dad. So I kind of had what would have been a family thing already with my siblings and my mom and dad. But the key thing is, is to leave work at work and leave home at home and not to get in as hard as it is to not cross those two. Um, because as soon as you start crossing them, then there's no lines and no distinctions on where things really are. So that's been a big thing. And we try to push that. I mean, we obviously we're humans. We make mistakes and we're not perfect. So we do slide around a little bit on those things. But when it seems like it's getting a little out of adjustment, we have to remind each other, hey, work is work. Let's leave it there. We'll go to the office and discuss that. We're at home now. Let's finish dinner and then we'll worry about that other stuff tomorrow when we get to the office at eight, nine, six, seven, whatever it may be in the morning. So that's been a big part of it for us. I want to be like you and I grew up. We're still trying to figure out this. We're still trying to figure out like the cutoff at dinner where we're like, because, you know, right now it's just everything feels like it's going so fast and it, and we're in light speed. I mean, I take responsibility for being totally inaccurate. Like good thing I didn't bet anybody's anything on, you know, what my projections of the industry were going to be. Cause I came out of California. I was like, there is no way we're going to, okay, fine. Medical, great. For profit, you fix the problem California has had for years. Fine. There's no way we're going recreational before 10 years. No way. Three years. The quantum leaps that we are making in this industry in such short periods of time never cease to amaze me. And I don't feel, sometimes I feel like even though I would be recognized or considered to be at the top of my game, I feel, I'm out of breath. I'm running so hard and so fast. I have four kids. I, I'm, I'm griping now. I got 17, four, 13, almost 14, 11 and get this, two and a half. Oh, wow. No. Yeah. A little surprise there, huh? <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> so I'll tell you. It that- does make it a little easier when you get a 17-year-old and drive the others around. Well, that did help about a year ago for us when we started driving the other one around. Yeah, too bad he just blew his transmission. <laughs> I... Uh- <laughs> Shit down shifting on a gear and the thing exploded. And I'm like on his way to see a girl that he liked too. And he was, I was like, oh, oh no. man, bad day at the office. So um, so I think, you know, we're up in the morning, we're dressing the kids, slapping them on the ass on the way out the door. You know, lunch is here we go, hut, hut one, two, like out the door. And then I'm like running upstairs. I'm still in my bunny slippers right now as we talk. I'm in my home office, bunny slippers. It's all business up here, but like, you know, half of me is still in bed. <laughs> and I'll be here just wondering like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how fast things are moving. And it, at the dinner table, my husband and I are like, you know, we're eating, we're throwing dinner on the table, throwing it down the kids' necks. And then, you know, we're like, retracing our steps from the day and making sure that everything gets done. And by the time we're laying down, we're like running through our checklist and there is no way, like we still haven't figured out the balance yet. So I commend you guys for working. Well, we're, not, you know, we're not perfect guys. We're still figuring it out, but too. So, I mean, you never, just when you think you got something figured it out, you know, that's when you don't sometimes. So yeah, totally. But I love the humor. I love the humor in it. And the ones that have survived, like, like you guys, the ones who have stuck with it and stayed in this, in the, you know, can of revolution right now is so incredibly admirable. It shows, it shows the steadfast that it takes, you know, the real commitment that it takes to be a part of this revolutionary process and the real sacrifice too, you know, um, for, from the family's perspective, it is an incredible sacrifice to be a part of the changing times. Yes. Tell me a little bit about your guys's business. Um, what what do you think it is that's setting you guys apart right now, and, and and keeping you relevant and alive when so many other businesses in the last, you know, three years, let alone decade, have try to, have failed. We try to do it in, in a little bit different perspective. Maybe we we try to run our business like a mom and pop shop, 
mm-hmm. even though maybe we are bigger than what the typical mom and pop shop would be. But that's been our model since day one. Mm-hmm. Give back to the community. If the community wasn't walking through my doors, I wouldn't be here and have a business. So a big deal of us is to give back to the community. What are some of the ways that you do that? Um, We'll give back by doing some public speakings with our commissioners and different things. Um, We give back by quite a bit of donations um, to the Larimer County uh, Animal Shelter, to Larimer County Food Bank, um, to a couple of the organizations, and my wife can speak more to those that are to help um, women or men with kids that have been through abuse. Um, I don't know the name of that one specifically. We give money to Sabo, which is the sexual um, sexual advocates for sexual victims. Um, we also do Project Self Sufficiency, which is, like he said, a, a resource that helps with single parents um, yeah. that just need resources to help them go out and get jobs and find housing. Amazing. All that kind of stuff. Over a million and a half dollars to our community since we've been busy. Wow. And, and different donations and stuff. We help sponsor concerts like the Better Business Bureau in Fort Collins at the Pavilion in Old Town. They do a summer series of concerts. So we put our Choice Organics, our name across the stage. We give money for them to put. We've also, just, for the last two years in a row, we've also um, helped the Colorado and the, our local newspaper up here in Fort Collins. By underwriting a program called um, giving Sacrificing Our Schools, which is a project that they are working on to try to get more money into the Poudre School District um, and try to create awareness about education and the need for for funding. So that's been very um, that's been very good for us. It's been it's been a very a great project to help work with. Yes, amazing. Uh, we do some volunteering over the years too. We don't pick up first Um, but for us, it's running it like I was taught to give back to the community, treat your employees like their families, you know, like you do your own family. Listen, talk to them. Um, don't ask them to do something you wouldn't do yourself. I mean, you know, we've done it, we've been there. We're not maybe on the front line as much as we used to be, but we were there the first three or four years of our life doing it, so they know that and they respect that, I think. Um, we have a business that is not in debt, has never been in debt. Choice Organics never borrowed a dime to do this with. So we've never been in those kinds of arenas when we've been doing this ourselves. Um, it's been me and my wife from day one with her mom helping us a lot, especially with the kids and things when we first started. We owe a great gratitude to our mom for the help she did, especially the first few years with everything. So. But that's that's why we continue success, I think, and that's the way I think. You know, that's what helps when you when you when the community knows you're spending their money back on them in regards and helping out, and not just putting it all in your pocket and running off to Mexico for a six month vacation every every year. You know, then I think they see that and they see that you're working hard too, and you're doing the trying to do what would be considered the right thing. Because I think as it's been mentioned once or twice so far, as especially back in the day when it was what we all know as the wild wild west. Of the industry, there was a not much respect for us, really, from business owners and other in, in the line of what would be a quote a normal business. So my strive since day one has always been to get the cannabis industry recognized as just another business out there, um, not as not the sore finger that it had like a strip bar or the back alley drug dealers coming in to try to make a front of it at first and everything that was talked about. So that was always been my push and you do it the right way. Make sure you get your permit, make sure you go steps A, B, C, and D, which in some regards I had a little of an insight on because I was a builder. So I knew how to go through the local communities to pull permits and to do some of that stuff. So I had some in knowledge with some of the people we needed to talk to to get things started, which helped me in our, in our situation some too. I, I still, the biggest thing is just giving back to your community that's given to you and that's putting you in business. So that's one of my biggest things. I absolutely love it. You guys, it's, it's so important. There's a lot of conversation around the social um, and economical contributions that businesses are, are making. And I, I, say this a lot that you know gone are the days where people are purchasing products sure it's the the lifeblood um but more than ever 
people, we have conscious and educated consumers who want to know that the business they're buying from is doing more and has more to offer than just the product or the brand that you're there to purchase there. So it's the why behind the buy. Um, and knowing that you're, you know, every purchase you make is a piece of what the company is able to do for the community, the ripple effect. Right. So I, I think it's just so important to build that in and have that be a huge front facing piece um, that gets highlighted about your company. I think that that's fantastic. Inevitably. So there are still many challenges that prevent, you know, the growth at the speed that we'd like, or, you know, the things that feel most natural to us as business owners are relatively off limits in the industries that we've selected. So it exer- we have to exercise our creativity quite a bit in order to navigate our way through. Talk to me about some of those challenges that have been bottlenecks for you. Um, and then we'll talk about how you've navigated your way through. Well, I think one of the biggest and obvious ones in our industry is obviously the way that we can market. Because we cannot market on radios, we can't market on TVs, we can't market in certain magazines, we can't market unless you can get proof that the audience is 70% 21 or older and you got to get a proof of that with a letter. And I mean, there's numerous things and not everyone wants to do that. And there's another company, our person has statistics on everything out there that they can prove things with. So that, that's been a big challenge. How do you get your name out there and your brand out there if you can't do what, is what you'd call normal everyday marketing like GMC or Honda does or Ridley's Chewing Gum or what, whatever products you think of, makeup for that matter, anything out there. So we've done some things that were different, especially at first we stepped out and did some things. We started doing sponsorships years ago at Harley-Davidson for one thing and, by, and getting our name on the stage at the amphitheaters and the area and stuff. And that seemed to have worked for us. And we took the risk and we got letters everywhere, but we've, we sponsored things like wine festivals and we do a lot of sponsorships, which also gives back to your community too. Yeah. Because you're doing things that they enjoy to go to, like an amphitheater at uh, the iHeart radio stations and Artie Davidson shop down the street. They have a music festival there, Rocky Mountain Thunder and Rockies every year. We sponsor that, that's 60,000 people on. Labor Day weekend, and then we do concerts out there at the theater. Um, we do shows at the Aggie and um, Fort Collins, which we sponsor. Um, and we uh, just to try to step out of the box a little bit compared to what most people. We, we also are the only one I believe as today. I know if, as of a year ago, so we worked for sure, but I don't haven't checked for the last six months, twelve months or so. But we're the only dispensary that publishes our own magazine we do a quarterly magazine which we get to put into colorado which is our local newspaper and that goes out thirty-five thousand strong to every colorado subscriber i don't think there's anyone else that does anything like that either um so just trying to do things that are out of the box enough to get people's attention has been a big part of our but and and giving back to the community as i said is another big part of that because people see that over time and the other key to it, too, is having good employees, which we have great employees that know how to do customer service, truly what customer service is supposed to be like. Um, not just saying we do it and not, not really doing it, but I believe we really have a good customer service team, which probably comes from my background of my parents owning, or my dad owning little restaurants in small towns as I was growing up. And that's how we were taught and brought up with a lot of customer service that way, too. So she probably has a few ideas, too. No, I agree with you. I mean, I, that's exactly, I think that that, that that has been the biggest challenge is the, the um, marketing and getting, and like I said, you know, overcoming the stigma that, that goes with cannabis. Um, but our, the, our local newspaper has been very, very um, amenable to that and has wanted to work with us and get that, that word out there. So. Amazing. I um. I absolutely never fails, never fails. I'm so surprised at the marketing and advertising restriction, the banking restrictions. Um, the other thing that was so significant, and I hear it still to this day, is the stable supply chain and really, you know, 
even in, if you're fully vertical, which we were when we were operating, um, you know, how do you fit the demand when you're so limited in supply, you know, and then the cost of cultivation and manufacturing and, you know, processing and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, all of the different steps and all of the different levels of investment, I was really, really relieved to see when they finally allowed the industry to mature past the forcing folks to be fully vertical um, and then more wholesale licenses and, you know, things like that starting to pop up. Are you guys fully vertical or, um, no, or are you are you sourcing from other companies? Yeah, we, we source out. We wholesale a lot. We don't have a huge, huge grow. Um, and part of it is due to some of the local restrictions and stuff mm-hmm. as far as regulations go, um, which makes it difficult for some, some for us a little bit um, due to some the way that things are in Larimer County. Yeah. Um, I won't go into that because it gets pretty technical with the rules yeah. and laws. And, Section 1.22, you know how that yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think everyone would understand it anyway, but that, that's a challenge. I think another big challenge, too, that people don't might not realize, and I wish that the state's slowly getting there, but I wish they'd take a few more steps is to um, get our rules lined up. It, a lot of people don't, might not realize that how much different it is between medical and recreational, really, and managers and employees, what they have to know different for each side. Mm-hmm. It can be hard when training. You can't. And with us having both, and us all being in one building, I can't, it's hard to move employees from side to side and stuff because the regular rules and stuff are different on one side or the other even. And I don't want them slipping up and doing something on the medical side that would be legal on rec, but not on medical or vice versa. Yeah, because you're yeah. responsible for it all. Yeah. We have a lot of rules that way, so you've got to kind of, kind of stay in their specific areas to know and understand every rule and regulation in those two different a and B pieces of what we call the business model here. So mm-hmm. and it, those things become a little tricky at times too and can be a, a negative in my opinion because of that. Now they're obviously it's good because the taxes are not as high for the medical as they are recreational, which is good things because people that are on medical side don't need to be paying higher taxes just to get their medicine. But some numerous things and those are reasons we've always been lucky enough. We've pretty much always had a bank since you mentioned that offer. So we're not one of the ones that there was one time that we didn't have a bank for like three weeks since we've been open. And we've only had two different ones. And the one we're with now, we've had for five years. So we have yeah, pretty much five years or so. So we've never had a big issue with the banks like some people have. Um, and some of the nightmares that we've heard, stories that we've heard, I'm sure you've heard too from people. They'll get a bank and it gets shut down that afternoon after they signed everything, moved everything that morning, and the next day they don't have the bank again. And it just happens like that. I mean, so we've heard those stories. We've just been lucky enough not to deal with them. You know, a couple of the things that were crazy that I remember, and, and it was they were almost the straws that broke the camel's back for me beyond my my real passion being with the education and, and like helping the consumers understand what the heck they were even using any of this stuff for. Um, you know my bank was down in Pueblo. So twice a week I had to drive all the way down to Pueblo and then make it back to the store in time for closing. And, you know, that was just, it was so, so crazy. Um, and Pueblo shut us down and kept a bunch of our money for months. And it was just, it it was just really, really challenging. And then the other thing that, um, I think was probably the straw that broke the camel's back for me was, we had run this campaign called cans for cones and we got people to bring in um, five cans of food for one pre-rolled joint. And the value of that food was a purchase for the cones. I mean, we were listed on every major nighttime, late night television show, Jimmy Kimmel, you know, um, Jay Leno. I mean, everybody was making fun of us. They were like, usually the stoners want food, but now they're giving food away so they can get the weed. And they're going to come back to the store being like, hey, can I get some of that food back? (laughs) There There was all these jokes flying around. The publicity was amazing. This was our creative way to get into the you know, to get into the public eye, we, I think we raised a little over 10,000 pounds of food. We, I mean, scads of cans. We broke two six foot tables 
literally they crashed because the cans were just piling up. They got so heavy. We took in coats and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And there was just piles of it everywhere. Well, we called, um, we called three different Christian organizations and we were like, Hey, we got tons of food. And then they'd show up to pick it up, see that we're a cannabis store and they wouldn't accept it. Nearly 10,000 pounds of food and they wouldn't accept it. And I'm like, you're what? It was such a significant heartbreak. We took, obviously we took it ourselves and went and delivered it, but like, it was such a heartbreak. I couldn't even, I couldn't even stomach it. It was so, so tough for me um, just to see the, the contrast. And it was, again, that's that what, what pushed my commitment to the education was there was such a, the, the industry grew faster than our communities could even stomach. Right. right. Absolutely. And the, I felt just like there was such a, a responsibility that I felt to bridge the gap and, and bring some, you know, human element and help people understand that we too are parents and, you know, PTA members and, you know, all of these things that make us incredible people. We care as well. We just happen to be caring with this compassionate plant. What do you do? Someone's taxes? No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so. well, we went the same thing as back with my character was saying when we started, our kids were four, five, six, and seven years old. And I was leaving at four o'clock in the afternoon so since she'd come in, I'd go teach my little girl soccer team. And here I'm in, and I'm running a cannabis business. This was back in, well, you know, 10 years ago, eight years ago, the first of it. And we talked about that, 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 that same kind of thing. Well, what is the general public? What are the other parents going to think if they find out that I'm the coach of this and I'm running this business too? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, all the politics that were kind of wrapped around it back in the day that aren't quite there they are today. The stigmas are a little different than they were 10 years ago, eight years ago. Yeah, now the parents are like, yo, can, can you help yeah. me <laughs> bring that vape to the game? <laughs> I need to take a hit of that. You haven't seen my kids this week. They're really bad this week, man. I need something. <laughs> it's so true. Okay, well, you know, inevitable challenges still, obviously nothing to defer boss babes and boys like yourselves. So what are some words of wisdom that we can share with our budding entrepreneurs or other folks who are in this industry? Let's And let's just talk about this for a second. A lot of the folks who are in the CBD industry, it's sort of like their way of getting their feet wet, right? So that they can make that lateral move over into THC when it legalizes. I use the air quotes because I'm like, you either got the balls or you don't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I know I think it's fantastic. I think it's great. Build up your brand, do the whole thing. It's a great way to get your feet wet. Um, you know, so there's the budding entrepreneurs and the existing business owners who are listening to this show right now. Love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. And um, I would love to hear from the horse's mouth, people who have been, you know, extensive pioneers are obviously running a successful, um, socially responsible business. What are some, you know, key takeaways or tips or tricks, pieces of advice that you might offer somebody who is, you know, getting their feet wet in this industry right now and trying to navigate their way through? What would be some words of wisdom that you would share with them that might help them along the way? I'd say be patient. Um, Success doesn't come overnight, that's for sure. Um, It's a lot of hard work. If you don't want to put in the hard work the first few years, then then don't waste your time because that's all you're going to be doing. Um, If you put in that hard work in the first two or three years, though, I truly believe if you know can last that two or three years and put in that hard work that that's going to be you're going to start seeing that success is coming that third or fourth fifth six years if you can get to those levels. Um, that's not the easiest thing to do. Most businesses that fail fail in the first six months to year because they don't people don't realize how much hard work it is or what it really takes to run a business. You got to realize that it's not just collecting a check at the end of the day. It's not just counting the money in your drawer. You got to pay your taxes regularly. Um, you got to run a business. There's licenses. There's renewals. There's permitting. There's things that go with it. That's not just hand someone ten thousand dollars cash, put a rent on a lease, put stuff on your shelves, and go to work. 
you, you got employees, you, you're responsible for those employees. Um, you're responsible for their families um, in a way. I mean, that's how we feel. Um, so it's, it's a much bigger picture than what, what people think. And if you're really willing to bite it all off and you want to do it and you put your ass and do it and do the hard work, you're going to be successful, I believe. Um, I, just, I would add to that also, find yourself an industry group. Find, just get yourself, it, for this um, industry specifically, find an industry group, find an in, find, find some, a group that you can speak with, that, that you can find out. You know, what are the up and coming rules yeah, and regulations? What is coming? You know, what are what are the things that I need to be putting on my radar? What is it what are the next things that are coming about that I need to be thinking about and, and you know, wondering if maybe that's a, a, an arena we want to move into or whatever. That's also I think something that um, I would definitely suggest to somebody who's trying to get into this industry. I was gonna jump back to it too. You said, you know, you kind of imagine C to be specifically. But I believe in the next year, the CBD world is going to be turned over anyway on their heads because we're going to get a ton of regulations which we've never had. Uh, so going forward, that's one of the big things that when they do jump to our industry from CBD, there's no regulations related to the CBD industry. And our industry, no matter what state you're in, you're legally doing it, there's a ton of regulations, which just adds a whole other picture and level to owning a business when it's regulated like we're regulated. Um, and it makes it makes things a lot different. And just trying to keep up with, as I said earlier, all the regulations as they come out. I mean, we have one person that we hired that does nothing but that kind yes. of compliance and regulations because it comes out so fast. And it, you've got to be on top of it with new bulletins and stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. And those are the things you got to do. And be patient. Be patient. It's not going to happen overnight. You know, we went into this hoping that we could just make a living and that we could have employees and do something that, she, we were finding out, as Erica said, about her psoriasis and about the, um, how it was helping her and helping us. And over time, we've turned it to be pretty, six, um, pretty successful business owners with Choice Organics, with our employees, and with the support that we get from around us with our patients and our customers in, in our area. Um, and we're very lucky for that. Um, and I'm, I'm very glad we have a lot of gratitude for that. So. Wow, incredible. Wonderful words of wisdom to share for sure. Um, And I'll piggyback on that and and just share a couple of things I think are really key for success. Um, Whether you're on the CBD side or cannabis side, at the end of the day, it's all just ingredients. So really being committed to a movement and a mission that is beyond yourself or the ingredient that you're selling, building a brand that has a culture a mission and a movement that you want to be a part of. That is the real trick. What is the brand culture that you want to cultivate first with your team and then on behalf of the customer base that you're going to be serving? Everyone's a part of a community. Everyone has their different tricks, but there are some key differentiators that create a demographic that you're serving. So build your brand and your company culture in a way that attracts that demographic to you so that you can serve them at the absolute highest level. Um, the second thing I would say is that in an industry full of me too products, everybody's got weed, everybody's got CBD, everyone's throwing a label onto somebody's, somebody's something, but what are the things that set you apart? Building in the social responsibility from the very beginning and understanding the ripple effect that your company has in your community is so important. There's the whole movement around serve local, be local, be local and serve local. I can't emphasize this enough. And even if you are a web-based business, there is a way to cultivate that local loyalty with by serving and still give yourself the capability of serving a global marketplace. Diversify, diversify your product offerings and then build in you know, a certain percentage that gives back to the communities that you love and that are a part that you are a part of. Again, both on and offline, there's so much opportunity to show that the good is truly possible in an industry where there is so much you know, financial movement. That's one thing I can say for this industry is that there is a lot of money, which is just another form of energy. There's a 
lot of that in motion and it needs to be properly distributed so that as an industry, we are raising the level of consciousness, awareness, and contribution that we are able to make. And then finally, when faced with the inevitable challenges that come with being a pioneer and and really shaping the way that we want this industry to serve us while we are serving it, Think about the break the lines of creativity. You have to figure out how to break the mold so that you can rebuild it and make it better. Absolutely love the ideas of sponsorships, but diversify the way that you are exposing your brand. If you're a brand new startup, you there's so many different examples of how you can do that. Um, you know, but really, what I love is unregulated publications, uh, platforms like mine that acquire sponsors that have the quiet that that have the captured attention of the consumer. That does not. Hoard, I'm not the Kim Kardashian of brands. I don't promote everything that comes across my desk. As a matter of fact, in three years, I've only promoted nine brands. But when you get onto a platform like mine, for instance, you know that you're a cut above company and that you're going to get access to a quality clientele that you wouldn't be able to serve otherwise. So really, at the end of the day, this industry is all about relationships, who you know, and what kind of value you can bring. Come with the mentality of what can I give instead of what can I take and everything will be given to you in return. Those are my words of wisdom. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Any last words, guys? Other than thank you very much. We appreciate the time that you gave us and we appreciate being on the show. It's been fun. Great interview, guys. And Brian, I see you back there stirring. Any words of wisdom? All right. Sounds good. Well, thank, thank you guys you again. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for the incredible work that you do. I've come to, into your store before, but was shy to ask to be able to do a tour. Since you're local, I'd love to be able to pop in and do a live broadcast. Oh, sure. Anytime. Yeah. Let's talk. Yeah, I would love to do that. I think it would be a blast. Um, And for those of you guys who are tuning in and listening, thanks so much for being a part of our network and community. We are so excited to bring you the truth about cannabis and hemp straight from the people who are pioneering this incredible industry. If you are a budding entrepreneur or an existing business owner and you're hitting the inevitable bottlenecks or glass ceilings that are that come along with being in this incredible industry, check us out at theemeraldcircle.com for tools, resources, tips, tricks, or even mentorship that you can lean on to accelerate your success and make those quantum leaps in condensed periods of time with the support of people who are just a little bit further down the line. If you are someone who is looking for products and brands that you can trust to deliver the results that you're looking for, check us out on medicalsecrets.com. And by the way, guys, if folks are interested in finding your store or want to check you out on the web, where can they find you? We are at 813 Smithfield Drive. We're right at I-25 and Mulberry in Fort Collins, Colorado. Amazing. And your website? Website is choiceorganicsinc.com. Amazing. All of the social handlings as well as the websites where you can find out more about Choice Organics will be listed right here in the blog post. Make sure that you read it for show notes and highlights from today's show. I'm your host, Sonia Gomez, and this is The Hemp Revolution. We'll see you on our next show, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode. We took notes on this episode for you, along with all the links and resources mentioned in the episode. Get them free on the show notes page here at www.medicalsecrets.com. If you love this show and our content, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really want to help us get the message out there, please rate, review, and tell all your friends. With your help, we can continue to reach the world with our message. And until next time, we hope you join the hemp revolution, and we challenge you to dream big and love the life you live.